Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We're starting a brand new series today, and so it's called I Can See Myself, and then we got a blank. And every week we're going to fill in that blank, covering some specific topics. I believe it is crucial to your development as a believer for you to be able to see yourself the way that God sees yourself. I found with Christians that a lot of Christians have vision for everybody else except for themselves. They have vision for everybody else's freedom, right? You have Christians tell you like, oh, you can forgive. You can be free. You can, but for them, it's like, well, they don't know. They, they don't know my situation. I want you to go 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. It says this, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Another translation says, now we see through a glass dimly. You know what this, this is saying? This is saying we don't see it correctly. Someday we're going to see it all. You're going to be able to see the great things God has for you. But right now, you might see through a glass dimly. It, 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 it might not be the perfect picture. I'm going to tell you this, is that what God has for you is probably bigger than what you think you, that, you, that he has for you. The vision God has for your life is probably bigger than you think it is. The assignment, the purpose, the task, the anointing that's on your life is probably bigger than you think it is, and I would propose this to you, that in order to step into what God has, you have to be able to see it. You have to be able to see it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, it says this, by faith, Moses, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because, why did he persevere? He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He was able to see someone who you could not see, and because he could see something he couldn't see, it gave him strength. Let me just put it like this to you. Maybe you're in a tough season in your life right now. Maybe you're walking through something personally. What if I told you in 30 days that season was going to end, and you were going to enter into the best season you've ever had in your life? You'd be so excited, the next 30 days would be easy. Your car break down tomorrow, and you're like, 29 days, not going to be a problem. Your kids talk back to you like 28 days, not going to happen. That, ba- that bill comes, you're like 27 days, bless God. You would coast through the 30 days because you knew if you could just get to the other side of the 30, right? It's called vision. It's being able to see past where I am to where I'm going. This is what vision does for you. We call it last week, we, call, we called it the Caleb juice. Long story, you have to look it up. Can't even explain it right now. But Caleb was able to stay young, and he was able to stay energized. People say, how do you stay so young? He stayed young because he had vision. Vision energized him. He said, I can make it through the next 40 years because I know what's on the other side of the 40. And because I know what's on the other side of the 40, I can persevere through today. And the same is true for you. We've got great vision as a church. But do you have vision as a man of God? Do you have vision as a woman? I know we're doing stuff, but we're doing stuff means you're doing stuff, which means that you have to be able to see yourself a certain way. I see myself what? How do you see yourself? 
in a culture where we have more self-hatred than we've ever had in history, or at least any time that it's been recorded, people are literally harming themselves, hating themselves, and killing themselves. The Bible says that the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God has come, Jesus has come, that we might have life and we might have it to the full. You can make it through anything if you can see where God is taking you. Can you see it? When you look at your future, does it look good? When you look at next year, does it look good? When you look at 2019, does it look good for you? Is it just making it through another year? Is it just surviving another moment? Or does it look good? Does it look exciting? Does it look full of God's blessing, God's anointing, God's prosperity, God's provision? What does it look like to you? I want to go to Mark chapter 2, a story, and we're going to give you a Bible reading for the month here because I want you to get the entire scope of what is happening in Mark chapter 2. And I believe we'll take this text and we'll hang it as a, as a backdrop and we'll pull principles in where we're going to go today. We're going to, just, we're going to just use it lightly, but I want you to know that hidden in this text is practical steps in how you could see yourself differently. It says this in Mark chapter 2, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I hope you're reading what the text is saying because it says that they couldn't get in and they lowered him through the roof. Some of you are like nodding like you're super spiritual. That's weird. I mean, if, if this roof starts breaking open and little Johnny starts coming down, like, we're going to have, like, that's what happened. Jesus is, like, in the mid-message. Mid it's like, really? It's like, this is about to be my best point. So it's like, and it's like, would you get down here? So, so this is what's happening. He's lowered through the roof. Jesus says, your son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, not saying it, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit what this was that they were thinking in their hearts. That's scary. Immediately, Jesus knew what they were thinking in their hearts. Like, like, like what, what, if, what if we just like knew what everyone was thinking? Like you're just like chicken and waffles, chicken and waffles, chicken. Actually, that's me. That's me. My bad. Hey. He says, he knew, he says, why are you thinking these things? Can you imagine Jesus asking you that? Right when you're thinking like, oh man, why is he doing that? And he's like, why are you thinking that? Like, uh, what? I was, I was here to worship, man. Like, what, what, why are you in my business? He says, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So I'm going to speak just for the next couple minutes on filling this blank. I can see myself healed. I can see myself healed? 
Yeah, both physically and emotionally. Can you see it? Can you, can you see? So, some of you are about 98% healed, but if we touch that 2%, it's, it's, just, it's off limits. Your family knows. Your wife knows. That is, but could you see yourself completely healed? Sir, can you see yourself completely healed? Ma'am, could you see yourself completely? God's plan for you is not to be partially healed or just to make it through or make it by. God's plan for you is to be completely healed and completely whole. And if you're not whole or if you're not healed, God's not done. So many people say, well, I've prayed for healing physically for years and I've never gotten it, so I don't know if it's God's will Forever. No, the Bible says it is his will for all to be healed. The Bible says by his stripes we were healed. I'm not the healer. I'm just the messenger. The Bible says that his will for you is to be healed. Can you see yourself healed? Can you, can you see? The, the Bible says in Luke chapter 5, it's another, uh, it's another account of this same story. Luke chapter 5 verse 17, it says the power of God was present to heal. Listen to this, all. I love that word. It was, it was present to heal all who were among them. Everybody that's watching right now, everybody that's in this world, the, the power of God is present to heal all of us. What if God's plan for you was to be healed? Like to be whole, like to really be able to forgive, to really be able to let go, to really be able to be okay, to really be able to lose the anger, to really be able to, to let go of the heartache, to really be able to, what if his will, and I'm just here to tell you, it's his will for you to be healed. Whether you are sick physically or emotionally, it is God's will for you to be healed. I, I think this is interesting, this story, and there's so many different messages inside this story, but I want to speak specifically to the progression of healing from this passage, and I want to speak to it like this. This is the first thing that happened, is that he, he was brought to Jesus. He was brought to Jesus. This is cliche, like we know this, we got to get to Jesus. But I want to tell you something, he was not able to get to Jesus on his own. The man was paralyzed. He was lying on a mat. He was unable to get to Jesus all by himself. But his friends decided to help him, picked him up, and they said, we're going to see Jesus. The Bible says when they got to the house that the house was full. Can I just tell you something about your healing? There will always be excuses why God can't help you. There will always be an excuse why it's not for you. Oh, so-and-so, and so-and-so. And we'll always have an excuse about why he can't Heal us. I think this is really interesting because the friends that he had when he was unable to move himself helped him move to, to the right place. See, for many of us, the time that we pick friends, we pick friends and we can have negative environments and we can have negative friends that are close to us and we're, it's all right because we're strong. Let me just ask you something. If they're going to be your closest friends, are you always going to be strong? Because if you're not strong, where will they bring you? When you can't bring yourself somewhere, where will your closest friends bring you? You know what I found? A lot of our students are at camp, so let me just say this. For our parents, we, are, we, we give some of the best advice, don't we? Some of your parents are like, yeah, we do. That's right. We give some good advice. Like, like you become who you hang out with. Right? It's true for them. But is it true for us? 
maybe we need to take our own advice. Well, I can handle it. You can handle it because you keep on putting a ceiling or a lid on the hurt place of your heart. That's why you can handle it. But when you can't move yourself, where will your friends bring you? I'll tell you, hey, man, you just need a guy's night. You need a night you can just go out and be yourself. Let your hair down. You don't need another guy's night. You need to get to Jesus. You need to get into the presence of God. You need some of that broken off you. Oh, if I can just get to ladies' night, I'll be all right. Just get silly, be by myself. You don't need another ladies' night. When you can't get over what you're going through, you don't need that. You need him. So when you can't move yourself, where do your closest friends take you? I'm not saying to not enjoy yourself. I'm not saying to go go out with the guys or go out with the girls. But what I find is people trying to hide the hurt that's within them, the closest friends besides them, take them to things that cannot heal them. Christians helping other Christians by saying, ah, you know what? They won't know about it. Let me just help you. Let me cope the way that, let me help you cope the way I cope. I don't want to cope the way you cope. I don't want to have to cope. I want to see myself healed. I don't want to always have to hide. I don't always want to have to bury. I don't always want to have dysfunction that I have to leverage so that nobody sees and nobody knows. I want to be whole. Jesus' life and ministry, he rarely healed people physically without also touching them emotionally. Jesus' healings, a lot of times, was a word that was not just healed. It says they were made whole, which represented more than just physical healing. It represented healing completely. When God's healing you, he is not interested in just healing something. He wants to heal all of you. Let me just ask you this, the quality, or say it this way, the quality of a friend is shown in where they bring you when you are in need. I thought this was about healing. Did you know that a lot of your healing lies in your community? And if the people around you are saying you'd be better off without him, you'd be better off without him, just divorce him, you'd be better off without him, you'd be better, that's not a good voice. When you are incapable of making a good decision for yourself and they're carrying you, where will they take you? Where would, it got quiet in here, y'all right? So I got, that's too much, all right. Well, he was brought to Jesus. The second thing you see in the text is that they broke through the roof. So he broke through. He, he, he broke through. He was with people that decided to break through. Now theologians will tell you that the way the houses were constructed in those days, it was not a roof like we have. It would be a roof with multiple layers. And the layers that were on that roof, you would have to peel off. So the way that they got through the roof is by taking one layer, pulling it off, another layer, pulling it off. Can I give you a really practical way in how to get healed from whatever you're walking through? Is you start at the top and you peel off layer by layer by layer. I just thought one moment in the glory and it would all, no, I'm going to tell you this. Anything can happen in the presence of God, but there is also a path that has to be walked out after you encounter God and it happens by uncovering layer by layer. Nobody wants to uncover their stuff. Nobody wants to uncover their vulnerabilities. Nobody wants to uncover their dysfunction. But the way that you heal is by breaking through, is by uncovering layer by layer. I found this to be true that breakthrough always happens at the point of greatest tension. 
If I would have a pencil and I would break it, it would not break on the, e- the ends. It would break at the point of greatest tension. Breakthrough happens in the area that you're getting pressed. Breakthrough happens in the area that the enemy is attacking. And so you have to begin to uncover those areas layer by layer so that you can be healed. This is, this is what's happening in, in, in the story, which I think is just, it's humorous to think about. The, the house is jam-packed. It's packed. Nobody can get in. The friends come with the, with, the, with, the, with the paralyzed guy, and they're like, man, there's no way. The only way we can do is go through the roof. So they layer after layer, and then they're just lowering him down to Jesus, just right at his feet. I mean, it's pretty, pretty smart, right? You know, it's just like, we got this figured out. And they just, they just lower him right down to Jesus. They, they, they break through, and Jesus begins to speak to him. And I love this because all throughout your Bible, specifically in the New Testament, the way that we understand or the way that we recognize people is by what their dysfunction is. Right? Like the, the blind guy. Do you know his name? No, he's the blind guy. How would you like that? Like, hey, guys, you get to heaven. You're like, you're the blind guy? Awesome. I mean, it's like, I don't want to be the blind guy. I got a name. What about the one with the issue of blood? I mean, it's like, sorry, Susan. We're going to call you the woman with... Because the world always labels you by dysfunction. That's how they label. This man was the paralyzed man. This, this is how the text describes him multiple times. The paralyzed man. Even his friends took the paralyzed man. They broke through the roof. They lowered the paralyzed man. And when Jesus speaks to him, this is what he says. Son. The first thing that Jesus deals with in bringing him into healing is his identity in God. He says, you are not what you've done. You are not where you've been. You are not what people have called you. You are my son. All healing starts with correct identity. I have to recognize I am not my failure. I am not my dysfunction. I am not my weakness. I am not my vulnerabilities. I am who he says I am. I am a child of God. I am God's son, God's daughter, whoever he God has called you to be. The world labels you by where you've been. God calls you by what you can be. The world will label you by your past, but God calls you according to your potential. That's who he is. So the first conversation he has, he says, "Uh, son, son. I'm sure right at that moment the paralyzed guy is like, all right, I'm digging this. Like, I've been called the paralyzed man for way too long. It's like, hello, Mr. Paralyzed Man. Your room is ready. It's like, he says, son. Then he says this, your sins are forgiven. Which all all us super spiritual people, we say, bless God. Amen. But if you're the paralyzed guy, let me just illustrate this for you. You're the paralyzed guy. Hey, your sins are forgiven. Awesome, Jesus. Guys, just pull me out. Go ahead, just like, awkwardly. Right, I mean, it's like, that doesn't do much for a paralyzed guy. It's amazing, it's very kind. It just just doesn't do much for the walking, you know? So it's like, you got lowered in, now you pull them back out. I'm gonna tell you this, Jesus, not only does he call you according to your potential instead of your past, He will always begin to work on you inwardly before it shows outwardly. For many of us, healing looks like this. The situation has ended. 
and now we're healed. You're not healed, you're just not in the situation anymore. You kicked her out of the house, that's why you feel like you're healed. You're not healed, she's just gone. You're just not married anymore. You're not healed, he's just not in your life. Avoidance is not healing. Can I just say it again? Avoidance is not healing. You have to be able to confront what the issue is. You have to be able to peel back layer by layer and see exactly what it is and break through it. So what Jesus did is he said, I'm going to deal with you inwardly and will affect you outwardly. The Bible says this, in Jesus' own words, he says, you wash the outside of the dish, but you neglect the inside. No, if you wash the inside, then the outside also will be clean. Jesus always went to the heart. He always ministered to the heart. Jesus forgives his sins. We're not truly healed if the only reason we get better is because the situation changes. Just because the situation changes doesn't, no, no. Can I tell you something about healing? Healing is when God begins to do something in your, in your heart and the situation's still raging. That they're still talking bad about you, but you forgive them. That they're still cursing you, but you bless them. Not when they stop and all of a sudden you're better. No, peace, friends, is not in the absence of problems. Peace is in the presence of God. Peace is not a place. It's not a location. It's not a time in history. Peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. That's why his friends said, we got to get him to Jesus. He's the only one that can answer. He's the only one that can truly heal. He doesn't need a night out. He needs an encounter with Jesus. Jesus deals with his identity. He heals his, he forgives his sins, begins to deal with his heart inwardly see some of you you're just trying to like stop the outward flow of what's happening inwardly what I mean by that is it's okay to struggle inwardly you're just trying to make it so you don't lose your temper anymore but the reason you're losing your temper is because you're not dealing with your emotions correctly and so as they bubble up and bubble up and bubble up then you lose it and then everyone's like who's this and your kids are like who's dad where's dad what happened and then you're back but what's happened is you've been burying for so long, all the men in this room are like looking down. Is this like a common problem? Because we bury, 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 stuff, 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 until you can't anymore, because emotion has to be dealt with. You, you, you don't get to avoid emotion. You either store it until it explodes, or you deal with it. And so Jesus begins to deal intimately and intricately with this man on his insides, on his inward emotion, on his inward identity, on his feeling, knowing that it'll affect the way that he lives outwardly. And then it says, Jesus, and this is like, this is tough the way Jesus operates sometimes. But the, the next key that I see is that he had boldness to move. The man had boldness to move. The reason he had boldness to move is this is what Jesus said. Jesus tells him, get up. He's, he's paralyzed. You know, that's like, a, that's like a sick joke. Because Jesus did that before to some blind guys. There's some blind guys and they're like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. This is in your Bible, right? And Jesus is like way over here. He's like, tell him to come to me. That's not nice. <laughs> They're blind. Marco, Polo, Marco. I mean, it's like, that's not right. 
Jesus, the, the paralyzed guy's laying there. And he's like, uh, get up. Jesus would have been a bad pastor. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Because when I'm counseling people, sometimes I feel like saying something like along the same lines of that, like all the stuff and all the stuff, and like, just stop it. That's what I like to say. So some of you are like, well, did you think that when I was? Yes, I did. I'm just being honest with you. Yeah. It's like, that's why we got other pastors on staff that you can counsel with. That's what's going through my head. Stop. Jesus says, get up. The only reason that he would issue a command like get up to someone who was unable to get up is if he knew that if the man moved, that he would have the power to do something that he normally couldn't do. For many of us, we're waiting for healing to come to us, but God might be saying what Jesus said to this man, it's time to get up. But I can't. Exactly. That's what he thought. Get over it. Yeah, wow, thanks a lot. What about my feelings? What about what I'm going through? What about I'm walking through? No, God, God's not trying to say that your feelings are not worthwhile or that they're not valid. What he's saying is that your healing is connected to your obedience. Let me say it this way. The obedience to try is connected to the ability to do. The obedience, I mean, like, what is it going to hurt? For this guy, right? He's lower down, laying there. It's like, thanks for the forgiveness. Jesus says, get up. First of all, if it doesn't work, no one knows you tried. I'll just let you figure that one out. <laughs> like, like, it's just, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it, but if it does, if, if, maybe that's how we have to see it. But what if it does? But, but, but what if it does? What if God does come through? What if you could be healthy? What if you could be whole? What if you could forgive? What if there was freedom? What if there was a good plan and a good future? What if you could walk unencumbered and unburdened and unhindered? What if you could? Well, doesn't God know I'm paralyzed? He sees you paralyzed. He sees what's paralyzed you but he would never issue you the command to get up without also empowering you to fulfill that command. Your healing is connected to your movement. That's bad counseling advice. I'm just gonna tell you right now. Like, hey, move on. Like, people write you up right there. Like, I mean, these blogs are flying. It's like, that pastor told me to move on. But, but that's what he says. But let me, let me just illustrate it this way. In, in, in the book of Exodus, there's a story. The Israelites, obviously, they've been, they've been in captivity to Egypt for years, 430 years of captivity. Moses comes as a deliverer. Moses delivers the people of Israel from Egypt. So they take off towards the promised land, right? Which we think, like, promised land would just be like, promised land. That'd be so nice. It's not like that. It's a journey. It's a process. So they leave the place of slavery, and as they're on their way to their promise, they are confronted with the Red Sea. Massive body of water in front of them, and then the Egyptians change their mind. They say, ah, let's not let them go. Let's kill them. So now they got killers behind them, and a killer sea in front of them, and Moses gets on his face and begins to pray. He's praying, crying out to God. God told him what to do. 
very specific commands that you should stand up, stretch out your staff, the water will separate, and you walk through it, through it, through it, through it. Let me just say how you deal with emotion is you never walk around it. You always walk through it. The only way that you're ever going to be healed is to go through what you feel. You cannot go around it. You can't stuff it. You can't turn back. You turn back, they'll kill you. You go around it, you'll never be able to conquer it. You have to go through it. And so Moses is laying on his face. This is what God says. Then the Lord said to Moses, as the great pastoral counselor that he was, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. To move on. Now, if you don't know the story, what happened was as soon as he did what God told him to do, the Red Sea parted. You ever seen the old movie? Like one side, the water goes one side. It's, it's a pathway. There's a pathway through what they thought was going to. You ever felt like emotion was going to drown you? Did you ever feel like anxiety was going to drown? That's how it feels, isn't it? Discouragement feels like it's going to drown you. Depression, you feel like you're drowning. But through the thing that was about to drown them, when they stepped out, God parted the sea. Now, many of us, we want it to be like this. We want God to pick us up. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm free. That's not how it works. Holy Ghost says, get the water out of the way. Here's a path. Now walk. Now walk. Because they still had to walk through the sea. God just made a path through it. You thought that your emotion was going to conquer you. The anxiety was going to drown you. The discouragement was going to overtake you. But your obedience unlocks the power of God. And God makes a pathway through. And then it's the journey of walking through. That I have to now walk in obedience. Your healing, your healing. We said this, your healing is connected to your movement. Years ago, it was probably about seven or eight years ago now, I was in the midst of one of the most intense seasons of ministry uh, in my life. I was starting to plan to take over the church. I was in the middle of an incredible move of God with young people. And uh, I was traveling and trying to build a ministry and an internship and youth ministry and young adult ministry and run the church and all of these things were happening at the same time. And I started to lean on Dustin to do what God had called me to do. And in the midst of that battle, I found myself exhausted, sleeping about four hours a night, drinking Red Bull for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and maybe more doesn't need to be told. And, and I found myself uh, one night in my bathroom, and the, the room started to spin, and I passed out. And I woke up, and Jamie was there, and paramedics were in my house saying, we got to take you in. So, and, and I remember, this, this, is, this is, maybe it's too vulnerable, but I remember waking up, coming to, and being so humiliated. Not worried about myself, I was humiliated. Humiliated that there's paramedics in my house. Humiliated that I wasn't strong enough to handle the workload. Humiliated that my body couldn't keep up with my call. Humiliated, I was so mad. I told the paramedic, get out of my house, I'm fine. Jamie said, you're not fine. I said, I'm fine, don't worry about me. Tell them to leave, I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here, I'm going to bed, I'm good. But luckily, the closest friends 
were the friends that knew where to take me. The, the closest friends knew that we had to break. Pastor Steve, Miss Lisa, Jamie, the closest friends, our board said, hey, you know what? Like, we're making some changes. And I remember sitting down with Pastor Steve, and this is what he told me. He said, Dustin, I'm going to tell you something that's going to change your life. I'm like, all right, what you got? He says, there's a scripture that you need to memorize and internalize. I said, okay. He says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. He said, you are spending yourself building what God called you to build with your ability. He said, it'll never work. And immediately, I had to begin to make changes. But as I began to make changes, I saw something. I never got to skip the Red Sea, but I found a path through the Red Sea. Times struggling with anxiety. And even, even to this day, Jamie, she was telling me, she's like, you need, to tell, you need to tell that story. I'm like, I'm not telling that story. She's like, you need to tell it. I'm like, no, I'm not telling that story. She's like, why don't you want to tell it? I'm like, the same reason, same reason I was mad when it happened. It's like pride. Right? Because nobody wants to, nobody wants to say that they were weak. Nobody wants to be vulnerable about their own inability to carry out the function of their job or their call. But if you're never open, if you never peel back the layers, if you never break through the crowd and the excuses and the walls, you'll never have the moment when Jesus says it's time to get up. Well, you don't understand, Jesus. I'm tired. I'm paralyzed. No, no, you don't understand. You did all that work to get here. And now I'm telling you to get up. Not because I'm trying to make sport of you. Not because I'm trying to make light of your feeling, of your emotion. But because I'm trying to tell you that there is supernatural power to make a path through the middle of your Red Sea. And if you would just try, if you would just step, I will come through for you. And for the very first time, I could see myself healed. I could see it. I could see it. It was beautiful. It was, it was like there was hope. Because before, I saw it, but it was more of a, you know what, I feel this, and let's just put this back here. I just, one more day, one more hour, one more moment. I'm going to tell you something. It'll catch up with you. It'll catch up with you. I thought I could always make it around the Red Sea. Some of you have terrible tempers. You fly off the handle, your kids, your spouse, whatever. It's time to go through it. I used to have the most, I used to have the most awful temper. Our old house still has holes in the door and all that from my teenage years. And I used to tell my dad, I'm like, sorry I have such a bad temper. There's nothing I can do about it. The house is full, God. I can't get to the healing. I can't get to deliverance. There's walls. There's people. Other people needed more. Okay, no. There was healing. There was a place of freedom. God sees you healed. Can you see yourself? God sees you whole. Can you see yourself? Maybe somebody's struggling with depression that's in this room right now. Maybe even suicidal thoughts. Did you know 
there's a pathway through the sea. You're going to have to walk it out. But he made a pathway so it wouldn't kill you. It wouldn't drown you. It wouldn't take you out. It wouldn't have to swallow you up and cover you up. And many of us say, well, well I want the path. You can't have the path without the vulnerability. You're, you're, you're going to have to lay some things down. You're going to have to peel some layers back. But in that beautiful moment, God provides a path. You could get through anything if you could see what's on the other side. They said, we'll walk through the sea because we know the promised land is on the other side. Can, can you walk through this season? Some of you, the reason that you're hopeless is you don't see anything on the other side. All you see is more Egyptians and more seas and more bodies of water and more problems. And more. But if you could see it, you would walk. And if you would walk, God would heal and you would step right into the thing that you've been trying to see. I can see myself healed. Now this is crazy, we'll close with this. When Jesus talks to him, he says this, it's awesome. He says, get up and pick up your mat. Now this is wild because the mat was the place that he lived. He was lying on this mat, but the mat was also lying to him. Because what he was lying on was lying to him by saying what you're on is what you will always be on. And this is what the enemy always tries to do, is he tries to tell us what should be temporary is going to be permanent. That the mat that you're lying on, the hurt, the pain, the dysfunction that you're lying on, you will always be lying on. But I'm going to tell you something today, that what you're lying on is lying to you. It's temporary, friend. It's a storm. It's a sea. But you're going through. What you have been lying on has been lying to you. That what you currently see is what you will always be. But that is not the truth. You have to be able to see yourself healed. And Jesus says, I want you to pick it up. And now you're going to carry what once carried you. Do you know what I found to be true? Your greatest ministry will come from your greatest pain. greatest ministry will come from your greatest pain. You don't even know if you're going to survive it. Not only are you going to survive it, but you used to lay on it. Now you're going to pick it up and you're going to carry it as a testimony of what God's done in your life. Why aren't you lying on what you used to lie on? Because before I was paralyzed and I could not move, but I had an encounter with Jesus and he made a way through and now I carry what used to carry me and now it's a testimony to everybody else that feels paralyzed, to everybody else that feels discouraged or depressed or anxious or fearful or hurt or betrayed. It's a testimony to everybody else that if I can get up, you can get up. Can you see yourself healed? Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.